Jason, you know what's coming up in September 2018, right? Did you register You want to play the alphabet game? I am T. S. IMTS.com. That's right. September 10th through the 15th, McCormick Place, Chicago. Here we are again. Better start budgeting because I know you're kind of a cheap guy. You got you to gotta budget for it. Let me see it on your calendar. Pull up your calendar. I got it. It's oh, right there. There it is. I can see that. Okay, great. Start planning. Book your hotels. I don't have to book a hotel. I live, you know, right nearby. But, you do. You, know, you should think, book a hotel. Since I think you're a I will. Guy. And I know if I go to the IMTS website, there is going to be links there. They're going to have specials linked up to hotels that are communicating. You with. know what's a good way to get more information? What's Sign that? up for their e newsletter. Absolutely. I think I'll do that too because I definitely want to be there. I definitely want to get a hotel. I don't want to be left behind. And I want to get the best value I can from IMTS. So we want to talk about the top five questions that manufacturing leaders need to ask themselves now. Right now. Right now. Right now. It's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. It's It's time time to start thinking about it. Absolutely. We crafted these questions. We wanted to keep them generic and then have you put a title on them, how you thought they most characterize your company. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. Jim here from Making Chips. Thanks for tuning in once again to hear Jason and I equip and inspire you with relevant manufacturing information. Sitting here at the Technology and Manufacturing Association in beautiful Schaumburg, Illinois, they were generous enough to give us a room today so we could uh, get in and get another episode recorded So I'm sitting here in uh, the Board of Directors conference room at this long table, and Jason's down at the other end, and I'd like to welcome, hey, Jason. Hey, hey down there, Jim. Yeah, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's a beautiful sunny day on this November afternoon. Thanksgiving's coming up, and uh, you ready for turkey? I am ready, and you know what? I don't have to prepare that much. I don't have to cook any food, so I am very excited about that. I don't even know. Are you hanging in your house? No, we're actually going to my parents. Oh, you're going to your parents? Okay, good. Good for you. Yeah, so I got to haul the kids over there, so it should be a good time, though. Yeah, we're going to my uh, sister-in-law's house, and we don't have to do anything either, and we typically did. I mean, I'm talking years ago, we always used to have the big parties at our house. You know, That's one drawback about having a little bit bigger house out of everybody else is, oh, Jim Jim can do it because he's got a bigger house, you know? Yep. So- well, 10,000 people come to your house for all the holidays. Yeah, exactly. We don't do it anymore. We, do, if, we've given up on that. Have you ever heard of a Friendsgiving? I have not. Okay, please, so please Friendsgiving would be like a separate meal to Thanksgiving that you would do with your friends um, as opposed to like with your family. So we had a Friendsgiving just this past Sunday nice. with about 20 people. So it, it was at a, a lot house, of fun. a restaurant? At my friend's house. Okay. Yeah, and we... Um, had a smoked turkey. Everybody chipped in like five bucks and we had a smoked turkey that we brought in and then everybody made a side. We even invited some foreign exchange students from the local university that, you know, they just 
came over from India and they didn't have any family here and you know the schools shut down so they came over and joined us for a nice Thanksgiving dinner just to show them some you know American hospitality. I love hearing that. Yeah. So what have you got to give thanks for, Jason? Well, I have to. I just found out that I'm having a baby boy, another one. All so right. I have to give thanks for that. Well, you did so share that with me, yeah. and I, I am, I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah. Um, uh, I know no one really cares what the sex is. They just care that it's a healthy infant. Exactly. And that, that's really the most important thing. And I'm confident that you and your wife will, you know, have a healthy baby. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I mean, whether it's a boy or a girl, um, it's fabulous. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm definitely all good looking, news. looking forward to it and need to come up with a name. My wife has shot down Wolfgang for the third time in a row. So you don't really want that, do you? I do. I would. I okay. would go for it. Yeah. I think it's a cool name. Wolfgang Zenger. I think I think that, you know, that has some some oomph to it, some, you know, no, no, that's, a, have, that's a I'll, strong gonna, name. I, I think I'm going to uh, side with Amanda on that one. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's going to be the know, one that's going to... Ultimately, when you're, in, when you're in the labor room and your wife gives birth, I mean, you can't argue with her too much about it. When is the baby coming? Uh, baby is coming in April. All right. Yeah, well, April great. or late March. So I'm yeah. sure the metalworking nation is going to be excited to hear the news. Yeah, when absolutely. Finally arrives. And we actually, we have some manufacturing news related to childbirth. So, and, and, and yeah, you, please you share know, that yeah. with, because you, you were, you were teeing me up a little bit that you wanted to lead the manufacturing news today. Yeah, and, I was, um, I was really excited about this. Wow. So the, the title of the article is to mend a birth defect. Surgeons operate on the patient within the patient. So Gosh. this was an article in the New York times right. and the premise of the article is that the surgeons at the um, Texas Children's Hospital in Houston did an experimental surgery where they um, operated on a 24-week-in-the-womb baby for spina bifida. Wow. Modern medicine nowadays is just amazing it what they can do. It is nuts. And, and just looking at this picture and seeing, so they actually took the womb out of the mother, wow. did the surgery, wow. and then put it back in the baby. So now you might be asking yourself, why the heck are we talking about this on making chips? Why are we? Um, well, to me, what is crazy about this is that these surgeons are using all of these manufactured tools. Yeah. And, and we have friends in the industry that yeah. are manufacturing these tools. Yeah, ti- these tiny baby tools. I mean, this baby is two pounds. So you can imagine the size of the tools that they use to perform this surgery. And you and I know people that manufacture tools that go into the medical industry for one-off uses just like this. And to and me, I certainly would want to be certain that if those tools are being used on me, that they were done in a very high precision shop that was well-equipped to consistently make tolerance and certifications were in place and everything else. Because man, when, when you're at that level, you don't want anything to go wrong. Oh, no. And, and I mean, just think about, you know, you always talk about like motivating your team with the why behind what you do. And if you could imagine sitting in front of your staff and saying, okay, guys and girls, we just got an order for this surgery that they're going to be performing for the first time in history on a 24-week-old baby in the womb. And we are manufacturing the tools for it. I mean, talk about motivating them to really nail every single process in the system. I mean, 
you know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, you know, a better reason, a better why behind what you do. I mean, that's to me, that's it's crazy. So how many, does it go on to say how many of those surgeries have been performed? First one. It's the first one? This is the first time. Yep. First one. First time. So apparently with spina bifida, it gets progressively worse as um, the baby outside of the womb grows right. or inside right. the womb. And so they, what the reason that they, because my wife asked me, why would they have the surgery in the womb? Um, so they did it in the womb so that they can correct it now so that um, the baby would be um, as um, healthy and normal as possible. Wow. Yep. So amazing it, stuff. Yeah, and if you look at these stuff. pictures, I mean, they took the womb outside of the mother. I mean, yeah, it's I just, yeah, know, I don't really. The pictures are a little uh, not for me, but uh, anyway, so that's great. Um, it's uh, you know, it's all about advancing the technologies and the world that we live in. Yeah, and, so you can do these it's, things. It's it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I've got some personal news too. My yeah, son is thinking about moving to California, and it's kind of a you know emotional. It's you know our oldest one, and you know he's leaving. Your yours hasn't even arrived yet. Yeah, and mine is. You threw him from the nest, and now he's going to another tree. I guess you would yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's a little strange. It's a it's kind of a strange feeling, but you know I have to support and empower and help him make the best possible decision for his own career and life advancement so well if i know you're gonna be there every step of the way (laughs) well i will because i i think that i can add my own wisdom to his decision and um it's all about proper preparation prevents poor performance and if we can be proactive making decisions we are probably going to make the best decision possible so yeah. And, and you know what, if we're going to relate this to manufacturing, um, you know, California, you always hear about how high the cost of living is there. Right. I mean, from a manufacturing perspective, I can't imagine like just the threshold that you have to deal with from a cost of doing business in a state like California. I would, mean like I a would, machine shop yeah, in I would, California? Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear from the metalworking nation in California about is this an issue having your shop in California and being able to compete with somebody in, say, like a North Carolina or an Indiana right. or even in Illinois Wisconsin. or Wisconsin or, you know, anywhere else that is maybe, sure. you know, doesn't have as high of the taxes or anything like that? Is that an issue for you? Because there's a ton of manufacturing that goes on in California. A ton. I know. A ton. So a ton. they've got to be competitive and it's really, in some way or another. Um, the aerospace and aviation industry is very strong mm-hmm. out there as well. So, and you, you know, you would hope that's a pretty viable industry. So, well, it is. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, California is one of the manufacturing meccas of this country. I know. It the is. World. But moving on, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about things that are happening at CAR, and it's kind of relevant to what our episode today is going to be about. And uh, we are working on developing our mission and vision statement for the company and sharing it with the team and getting everybody involved because the mission and the vision isn't about Jim Carr. It's not about our office manager, Linda. It's not about my son, Ryan. It's not about the guy. It's about all of us. Where do we see the vision of the company in one to three to five to 10 years? What does it look like in our heads? So, yeah, I mean, I've been going through this exercise for, gosh, as long, like, Starting 20 years ago, I kind of set a vision for where I wanted the company to go. And Seriously, re- 20 oh, years ago. Absolutely. You were thinking about this. Well, absolutely, because I was very deliberate about... So you were 20 not, years okay, old? Okay, maybe not 20 years ago, but 
I started in the business 20 years ago. Maybe 15 years ago, I was. You so, started actively doing this? Yes. Or actively thinking about it? Yes, okay. I did. I did. So, and, and we've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. So part of the story of Zengers and our growth and just a vision of, of where we're going was the company very much was like a generalist selling industrial supplies to industry. And... I did an evaluation and I said to myself, how do we become a high growth organization? And one of the things that I recognized was that this area is a metal working um, mecca. mecca. And if I'm going to grow at a higher rate, I needed to focus on the customer base that was the most prevalent in my area. Sure, My company at the time would not have been considered specialists in the chip making industry. So I deliberately set a vision that we needed to acquire that expertise. And so we started acquiring other companies in order to gain that expertise. And we eventually did. And now we're the premier metalworking supplier in the Chicagoland area. So it very much was a vision that I set out. Did I have it written down? Not like I do today. It was very much in my head, but it was still a very deliberate vision. And now I, I would I would encourage, you know, manufacturing leaders is to say, you know, write this thing down, communicate it with your team. Because those are the things that I did not do fifteen years ago. I didn't write it down. I didn't communicate it with my team. Well you went through a few head. iterations back then anyway. So Yeah, we did. And that's okay. Let, let's start talking about this yeah, episode, Jason. Yeah, because absolutely. that's what it is. So I just wanted to share that that's what's new at Carr. Sometimes we we always say, what's new at your business? What's new at my business? We're really working on developing our vision and mission statement. I don't know if I want to call it that. You're not not an old school vision mission guy. No, no. Yeah, I want to call it something sexy or something like that. Yeah, what did you have in mind? uh, We're thinking about, as far as the, the vision, the mantra. What is our mantra? Okay. And we want to keep it really short, sweet, and sexy. And when, when, after it's done, I'll share it with you and the Metalworking Nation to tell you what we came up with. And I think uh, it, it'll be part of our core values and it'll be part of our brand specifically. I, and so. I think it should be. And, and I think for us, it'll be very similar, although you and I kind of like talk about things differently. Right. Ultimately, there, there, there is some similarities between Everything's between the same. Yeah. The, the end goal is the yeah. same, right? Yeah. For us, you know, I don't like the old school vision mission thing no, either. I don't either. Yeah. For me, it's about being on mission. I don't know right. if you can see the difference between that. So when we're on mission, we want to be on mission to, to the vision. improve the manufacturing industry because of the engagement that we have with the entrepreneur who owns that machining business. We want to assist him to you know, just better his business, to elevate his business to make more money and to help him achieve whatever his vision is. So that's how that we're isn't your vision. On that's mission. not your formalized vision, though. No, that's oh, okay. That's, that's a little long mission. Yeah. No, I'm just rambling. Right oh, now. okay. Yeah, as usual. Yeah, exactly. So, well, well anyway, what, why don't you introduce? Okay, this episode. What is it called? We have so little... we want to talk about the top five questions that manufacturing leaders need to ask themselves now right now right now right now it's the end of the year it's the end of the year it's time, time to start to thinking it. about it absolutely and jason and i kind of crafted these on a whiteboard before we hit the record button today because although we have different things they're pretty much the same but i'm gonna let jason start out with one of his okay so the first one is very much related to what jim and i were just talking about and we crafted these questions 
because we didn't want to make them like kind of buzzy or sexy like Jim liked to say. We wanted to keep them generic and then have you put a title on them, how you thought they most characterize your company. So the first question is, what does your future look like? Yeah, it's that's very simple. Are you asking me? I'm asking you now. Uh, Pick one number as an five, example. Five years. Five years. Five years. That's a, that's a good number. I see extremely highly technical machine shop, clean, bright, really clean, really 5S, really uh, no clutter. Uh, I see uh, in, intelligent people walking around. I see minimal paper. I see a lot of computer. Are uh, you digitized? We are digitized. I don't see paper prints anymore. That is, that's my vision of car machine and tool going out five years. And I, I really believe that if you can see it in your head, write it down, I'm telling you, man, it, it can happen. It can really happen. So we actually, as a company, every quarter, we have a, a business consultant or a facilitator go through our vision every 90 days. And one of the things that, that we have him do is we have him repeat our vision back to us, what that looks like, very similar to what the way you just described your company, and we close our eyes as he's mm-hmm. describing oh, it to us. It's impactful. And what I would encourage everybody out there is once you create what that future looks like and you write it down with your leadership team or your entire team is that you actually have them close their eyes and read that back to them and then ask them the question, can we do this? Is this attainable? Do you see the same vision or do you see the same future that was just described? And so you need to go back to your team and and go through that same description and say, do you see this also? So Jason, what does your future look like at Zenger's? You know what? I would love before I describe that. I would love to hear what you think it should look like because I'm. Oh, okay. Some Here we go. Okay, super slick, minimal brick and mortar. People will be able to come in to your facility, and there'll be there'll be a a touch screen, and they'll be able to fulfill their entire order without any human engagement at all. They'll be able to order anything, and in a matter of minutes, it's going to come sliding through in a cardboard box, there will not be any human engagement in that buying process at Zanger's Industrial in five years. I love it. I I do love the description that you just made. And I agree that in five years, for the majority of our customers, we are we are going to have very little human interaction in the ordering process, but yet it's going to be very efficient and very user-friendly for them to be able to order tools from us. Now, that's one side of the business. We also have another side of the business where we are very much integrated into the business processes as a partner with our larger VIP customers, and we are eliminating waste working on continuous improvement, increasing productivity, and cutting costs out of their system, and that we are further you know, embedding ourselves into their company for the benefit of that business owner. And I also see you know, 
just a very highly engaged company where all of my team is working very much to their unique abilities. And I also see, you know, you and I it, with the Making Chips platform that um, oh, we really... Interesting. We, what is we, our vision? Yeah, yeah, we really will have expanded out um, Making Chips such that it's a, um, you know, a content hub for the manufacturing leaders and that we really could see, you know, the manufacturing leaders come together to share their expertise. Um, I see it as a, a global media mecca. There, I like that. Yeah. All right, let's work, let's move on to the second question. Numero dos. Okay. Um, what technology advancements do you need to achieve that? Are you asking me? I am. Oh, definitely. Well, technology in my business is just profound. Uh, we've got to stay current with the latest CNC uh, machining equipment. Of course, we have to have digitalization as part of that that technology advancement. My machines will be all be digitized. Um, I see a lot of probing. I see a lot of CAD CAM technology. I see the advancement. I see a lot of robotics. I, I see, I, I again, I see in my manufacturing company, the human element will be still there, but I see a lot of um, technology in robotics, CAD CAM, and um, probing systems will be huge. Universal machines. I see... I don't think there's going to be a vertical machining center and a, a turning center. I think it's going to be a one. It's going to be a universal, like a machining center. Type I, thing. I could see that with you also. So that way you can uh, handle those those turning processes without actually having Just to have a it, turning center. All we need is one machine. One machine is going to do anything that you have. Any Any CAD design you have, we can make it on one machine. That's great. I think that this is this is a great question um, that every every manufacturing leader needs to ask themselves. How do you communicate to the marketplace? Now, Huge. this this could encompass a lot of different things. For for my company, it's all about how do I tell the story about us as a company such that we are helping and guiding our customers to be successful. And that is ultimately just the bottom line of what I want to be able to communicate to the marketplace is that it's not about me. I want to remain relatively invisible for the most part, but how do I guide my customers to success? And that's what I want to always be communicating to the marketplace. That was that was well said. I thought it was a little winded, but that's okay. But what I call it is we simply call it customer intimacy. And you know that doesn't mean what people immediately think it is, but just elevating the communication to the point where it's a close, intimate relationship, not a touching relationship. I mean, I guess it could be, but just really elevate and push that communication to the point where it's so far that you could almost call it intimacy. And that's what we talk about um, quite a bit. It's part of our, it's an, it's embedded into our core values and we're really making strides to, uh, amp up the communication and the customer intimacy. Great. Now, um, question number four is how do you lead, manage and hold people accountable? Oh, that's a tough one. So this goes to, I'd um, like to hear your answer you know, on this one. Not everybody likes to talk about, well, you know, this is the culture of my company, but ultimately you have to be leading people, you have to be managing people, and you have to be holding people accountable. And this goes to your culture. So for me, 
one of the um, speeches that I that I gave to my team was it's not just a matter of us saying that these are our values. We have to actually live out and make these values believable. So part of leading the company is that I need to make sure that I am always abiding by those values and that I'm always making sure that I bring people up when they are also showing examples of those values and that I correct people when they're not holding true and making those values believable for themselves. Because there's so many stories of companies that they say, you know, here's our, you know, 10 core values. And first of all, 10 core values is too much. Way too many. Way too many. They also don't live them out. They just post them on the wall and they they, they say forget they them. point to them. They say, yeah, yeah you got to yep, you got to yep, do yep. those things over there. Yep. But they don't actually make them real. And and you need to actually you know lead, manage, and hold people accountable to those vo- those values. You need to make sure that culture is real. And I want to have a very thriving company. Going back to what your future looks like, I want to have a very thriving company where. I'm not only leading, managing, and holding them accountable, but they're leading, managing, and holding each other accountable without my interaction. And I can already see us moving in that direction. Right, because you've been practicing now for, for Several quite years. some time. Yeah, exactly. So I interpret that. Well, lead, manage, and hold people accountable are three kind of different, yeah, they're very different. questions there. How right. do you, how do you but they lead? all go how to the manage? people factor. How do you hold? Right. And part of what I well, it's it's culture at the at the core of everything. It's culture. What is your c- culture of your company? But I like to say I I want to educate and empower the team so they can be better prepared to take on those higher level responsibilities and be more accountable for their actions. Because through education and empowerment, they're going to be able to to be more accountable. I have an example. Go. We're starting a book club. You told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I'm really excited about. So I am. I would not be that excited about that. I know you wouldn't because you you haven't read a book in 20 years, 30 years. Um, but we we actually are starting a book club at Zenger's, and I'm really excited about it because I love reading books. I read like 35 Snooze. books last year. Um and. I'm excited because almost 50%, I, it's very optional, but almost 50% of my team are part of the club. 50, 50. Five, 50, per, 50 almost 50% of the company okay. are part of the club. And I'm excited because this goes back to leading, managing, holding people accountable and the culture of your company. So we're going to be reading a book called Crucial Conversations. Is and that going to be the first one? So you this is going to be the first one. And I, everybody, all 50% are going to read the same book. Um, so it kind of worked out well. So half of the team wanted to read. Half the team wanted to listen to an audio book. Okay. Yeah, so I, I would definitely so do I bought half. I bought half of them the book, and I bought half of them the CD, and we're split up into two different groups. I'm gonna half of the fifty percent, or half of the half of the hundred percent. So we're, we're going to have two two groups. Um, we're going to have the readers, and we're going to have the listeners. Oh, okay. And I'm going to facilitate a discussion once a week for thirty okay, minutes. I get it about the book and what they learn from the book. And I not only want to do be, they do this on their own time. Yeah, uh, they can do it during work or on their own time, however they want to. You let them read a book for two hours on your time. It's it's going to be like ten to fifteen minutes re- of reading a day. Okay, so um, I just want to get the I just want to get the the details here. Okay, I understand. But to, if you let me talk, you know, then I, know I can get I know, those well, details I, out. You know, I, you told me about the book club, <laughs> but I, you never told me about the specifics. Sure, no, I understand, and it's interesting. 
So I not only want to be a you know high performance company, I want to be a great place to work, but I I also want to see my team thriving outside of work because of what we do at the company. Right. So we're reading a book called Crucial Conversations, and I'm going to be facilitating that um, for two reasons. I want um, my team to be able to have better conversations with each other so that we can um, have less conflict. Because if we're honest, every company has conflict. And it all comes down to how you communicate with each other. So I want to be able to have healthier conversations both internally within within my company, but I also want my um, my team to learn something so that when they go home to their spouses, or they talk to their kids, or they talk to their friends, or whoever they um, you know socialize with outside of work, they can have better conversations with those people as well. Um, so I I want to be a little bit more holistic in the way that I you know manage my team, the way that I lead them. And I also want them to be able to manage and hold each other accountable without my interaction on a day-to-day basis or with every single issue that comes out. So I want them to be able to go back to this particular book and learn something from it such that they will be able to um, just communicate with each other and lead, hold each other accountable in a, in a better manner. I like it. I, it sounds really good. Yeah. So the best thing that somebody can come to me is is after we go through this particular book and say, you know what, this has improved how I've communicated with my teammates. And you know what, I just had a conversation with my wife the other day, and I used the techniques that I learned, and we strengthen our marriage. So why don't we move on to question number five? How do you scale your business and ensure repeatability? Oh, okay. That's good. That's easy. Are you asking me? I'm asking you. And these things have to do with each other, obviously. Obviously, a part of scaling your business, you have to be able to ensure repeatability within your processes. So you can't reinvent the wheel every single time that you do something. So give us one example about how you are ensuring repeatability in your business processes, which is going to help you to scale your business. By documenting our procedures, that what we do on a daily basis. A good friend of ours, Paul Van Meter, was just going to say that. Once, he read my mind. <laughs> told me once we were out to dinner one time when he was in town from uh, Seattle. And he said, Jim, if you think of your business as a franchise model and you document all your procedures with the thought of selling it as a franchise, that's exactly where you want to be at. And that's where you're going to have the scalability and repeatability. Yeah. And, and Paul actually created a whole MRP system based on, you know, his philosophy of franchising your business. He did. And I, you know, credit to him for really having that um, mindset. And I think that we all need to think about, you know, how am I going to grow this business? Let, let's be honest, folks, it's a good time to be in manufacturing right now. And it looks like that the future is going to be better and better and better all the time. So you need to ask yourself the question, how am I going to scale profitably? And the re- the way that you're going to be able to do that is going to make sure that you could repeat your processes. I mean, it's, so you got to be able to document those and look at what's the most important things and make sure that that is just a franchisable operation. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, That's it. Those are the top five questions. Now, what does the metalworking nation need to do? You need to write those five questions down. So I'm going to repeat them back again. What does your future look like? What technology advancements do you need? How do you communicate to the marketplace? How do you lead, manage, and hold people accountable? And how do you scale and ensure repeatability? 
That's beautifully said. And so um, I think that the metalworking nation needs to write those questions down, and they need and you to know, answer them. I have to tell you, being a small manufacturing owner, kind of an older school guy growing up with a, a father who really wasn't that educated and did have all these crafty things and... He didn't listen to podcasts. He didn't listen to podcasts. He didn't, podcasts. Didn't, he, to he didn't read. He didn't go to college. He just, he was a craftsman. He didn't read? He, well, he didn't read books. Oh, he well, didn't. but neither does his son. Well, he, not, probably why I don't, right? No, seriously. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I have genuinely, and I believe me, everyone, I've generally started to take on a pieces of these things and implement them into my small manufacturing company. And I am really seeing the fruits of my labor and I'm starting to see change and it's really positive. And it's almost magical, if you will, that, you know, you start to see the team change. You start to see the way they engage with the customers, engage with the vendors. And I think vendors, customers, and talent is attracted to all of that culture and change that's going on in your company. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And you know what, Jim, it's such a good thing that you're such an extreme extrovert um, because you don't read, because at least you are always willing to talk to people. <laughs> I'm always willing to talk to people. And uh, you know that that's one of my skill sets and... Um that's that's part of my brand, my personal brand. Whereas I'd rather, you know, lay on the couch and read a book. Yeah, that's okay. No worries. I can I I can get past that. That's why we balance each other out. Exactly. That's why we're a good team. But uh, anyway, with with that said, um, just remember if you have any questions for us, that you can uh, shoot us an email, Jim at Making Chips, or Jason at Making Chips, or if you want to even ask Ryan, Ryan at Making Chips, uh, or give us a call, 312-725-0245. We do return calls. It might take us a little while, but uh, we definitely will get back with you of a question. And, and let us know if you've answered those five questions. We would love to hear your answers to them. Email them to us. Say, Jason and Jim, here's here's the five questions you asked, and here's my answers. We would love to hear some feedback on this. I don't think Jim and I missed a question, but if you feel that we missed something, let us know, um, and, and we will definitely have a discussion about it. But definitely write these questions down, answer them, and really prepare yourself for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And just to, to close, as I always say at the end of the show, you know, in, in my disclaimer part, you know, we don't know it all. Jason and I are just sharing what we hear, learn, read, and uh, with you, the Metalworking Nation, we hope we're empowering you, equipping you, and inspiring you to run a better manufacturing company. And I have to tell you, Jason, every time we go into the studio and we're done talking, just about ready to sign off, I it grounds me so much. I feel um, emotional and go back to my business. And I, I know in my heart that I'm genuinely going to try and implement some of these changes. And I have, and it does really make a difference. So I really hope that all of you that are listening, just take these pieces and go back and make some changes. Yeah. And go back, answer those questions and make a difference in your business. You bet. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips.
you know, I can't read your writing, Jason, so can you please uh, share that? I can't. <laughs> okay. All right, Jim, let's move on to question number five. What is number five? Your writing's a little uh, janky there. How do you... I would never have thought that said, how do you? <laughs> I can't read my own writing now. <laughs> See? Okay. See, Metalworking Nation? He's a bad writer. No, 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 no. We're going to start this over, Ryan. <laughs>